Good to be together with you all. Uh, lovely to see all the warm greetings. Uh, it was Heidi's birthday on Friday past, yay. And so Heidi's whole family is here. I, I said I wouldn't say anything, but no one talk about the Shark Stormers game two weeks ago. It's very sensitive, and uh, we're trying to keep things positive on a Sunday, you know? Just kidding. Couldn't resist it. I, there's probably some of you here that I haven't met yet, and I'm Donovan, a part of the leadership team here at the church, one of the pastors that works uh, full-time uh, in the church, and I have the privilege of giving leadership to the eldership team that kind of oversees and cares for the health of this local church. And uh, here's a picture of the family. I mean, I haven't preached since the holidays, so I mean, is there a picture? But I mean... I was going to pretend it was a mistake, but yeah, that happened this holiday. I mean, guys, that is a big cob. The biggest cob you may ever see in your life, except on like National Geographic. But you'll all be happy to know it's, it's fought to live another day. So it's been safely released to go play with Dory and all of her friends. And there's my family, Heidi and Rachel and Rebecca. A bit of trivia, babe, I've got two um, little things in there. A little bit of trivia for you. The largest known living tree in the world is a Californian redwood known, nicknamed Hyperion. Now, I know that you know this. You're banned, so you're not going to get a chocolate. Any guesses how tall Hyperion is? Any guesses in meters? Guys, it is a tree. <laughs> a little bit up from 100. Work with me. Okay, put up your hand. The closest one out of three. No. One? One five oh. Boom. Did you Google that so fast? <laughs> Can you take this chocolate to Chanel? Hey, I didn't say no Googling. 116 meters. Now the real question is this. How deep is the root system of Hyperion. Okay, five people's hands up. How deep is the root system? Right at the back. 200 meters. 310. No, not you. No one knows. 500 meters. Last person. 75 meters. 20. Okay, Llewellyn wins. He's the closest, but he's not close. <laughs> 50, no. The root system, and it seems so counterintuitive to what we've always learned about the heights of trees. You know, you imagine these deep roots going into the bedrock of the earth. But the root system of the giant redwood doesn't go beyond two and a half meters. Wow. 116 meter tree. It survives and thrives not through an intensive root system, but an extensive root system. So it can cover rugby fields wide. Its root system just grows extensive. It grows laterally and it covers huge amounts of earth. And the roots intermingle with other root systems, sometimes even fusing with other root systems. And that's how it gets its strength. It's the kind of strength you can't generate on your own. It's, it's this beautiful picture of community, actually. In community, there's a kind of strength that you can't get on your own. 
There's a kind of growth that doesn't come in isolation. There's this staying power. Somehow this community, you know, it forms an ecosystem conducive to this massive growth that isn't possible outside of that ecosystem. So on the back of this imagery of this tall, strong, massive tree and these root systems that go wide and intermingled and form this ecosystem, I want to introduce this series, The Gifts That Grow. Five-week series. We're going to start it today and after Terry, we'll carry on. Imagine for a moment a group of people that God is transforming, little by little, through mutual ministry, through people ministering to each other within that community, where the power is, of God is at work transforming lives in an ecosystem called the local church. It's a bunch of very ordinary Christ followers that gather together, that share their lives together, where God is at work renewing, restoring, maturing each of us all in this community of grace, undeserved favor, the undeserved favor of God. So I want to turn to Ephesians 4. Ruth, you're going to read for us. I need a microphone. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your word. And I, I pray, God, that as we open your word and we get into it, that you would release us from, from some of the individualism that so pervades our lives. And that, God, you would knit us together as a community like never before. That there would be a kind of a revelation of this Hyperion tree with this extensive root system that's intermingled and fusing and, and gets such incredible strength from community, from those around it. God, may that be true of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that was quite a portion of scripture. Well read, Ruth. Thank you so much. I wanna, I'm going to just draw out a few texts that helps us track the line of thought that I want to highlight for this message. So first of all, verse seven, but to each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Jesus Christ apportions grace into each and every Christ follower's life. But what does this grace look like? Well, verse eight, gave gifts to his people. But more specifically, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
So you'll notice there that there's five gifts. Often you'll hear me speak about four gifts, just so you know. In the Greek, the, the word for pastor and teacher, they, they're actually used, they're, they're so tightly knit together that they actually can't really be separated. And so you have this gift of pastor-teacher that kind of goes together. But the storyline here is that Jesus apportions grace to every Christ follower, and part of that grace are gifts. And here mentioned a few of them, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. But the big question is why? Why does God give these grace gifts to the church? Well, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Remind you a little bit about Rigby last year, this fullness of God. So these great gifts, grace gifts are given to individual Christ followers for the equipping and the maturing of God's people, the equipping and the maturing of the church. And so it stands to reason, my last little verse I want to highlight is, in what context are these grace, grace gifts meant to be exercised? Or where do they belong in God's plan? Where do they find expression? Well, verse 16, it's from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The context for these grace gifts, for these spiritual gifts, is his body. Now, where the Bible speaks about uh, his, the church, the, the biggest metaphor used is the body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ. And so these gifts are meant to be operating in a local church just like ours. So let me pull these threads together quickly. The moment you cross the line of faith, and you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you are part of Christ's body. You become part of the universal church, and that finds its expression in a local church just like this one. And to every believer, there's this grace gift or many grace gifts given. They're grace gifts because they're not earned or merited. You don't get a gift because you got like six um, exemptions. What do they call it nowadays? Not exemptions. Distinctions, thank you. I knew I was old there. You don't get it because you got six distinctions or seven distinctions, therefore you get you know, this grace gift. No, no, grace gifts by definition, they're not earned, they're not merited, they're not deserved. They're given as Christ sees fit to whoever he sees fit. And they're given for your personal profile and fulfillment. No, that doesn't make sense. It's given to you for the benefit and maturing of those around you. It's given to the local church in which God has placed you. That's why this series is called The Gifts That Grow. The gifts that grow the body of Christ around you. You know, this passage and others speak so powerfully of how we are created to mature as Christ followers, of how we come to the fullness of Christ. This community aspect, these great gifts are, are a big part of how you, as an individual, are gonna come to maturity in Christ. But it's also true that this is how we, as a community of Christ followers, are going to come to fullness of life to reflect Christ himself. I mean, that's how it's meant to be. I, I don't think as Christ followers we can ever come into full maturity on our own, outside of the local church, outside of spiritual community, outside of sharing our lives in genuine relationship with each other. But if this is all true, I mean, it stands to reason that it would be good for us as a local church to, to understand and to begin to exercise and use these spiritual gifts so that we can be equipped and built up and come into maturity. I mean, 
That's our desire for us as a local church. We want to be the kind of church that's maturing. We want to be the kind of church where there's mutual discipling. That I'm helping you and that you're helping me and that we're doing spiritual good to each other. So that we're growing and that we're maturing, that we're experiencing care and love and, you know, exhortation and correction and whatever it is that we can bring into each other's lives. Now, I don't know, for some of you, when you talk about spiritual gifts, it can be a little daunting, maybe a little stretching. I don't know what your past experience has been. It, it can pull us beyond kind of cognitive Christianity. Now, we know that Christianity makes tremendous sense of the world. That actually there's a, there's, a lot, there's a wealth of logic and reason that underpins our faith. But following Jesus doesn't end there. Ours is a supernatural faith. Ours is a faith that goes beyond logic and beyond reason, uh, reason where we encounter God as also a spiritual being. Another cool thing for us to remember is that these grace, grace gifts remind us that God gives us more than what we have to bring to the story. That we don't have to have it all inside of ourselves to come into maturity. No, God gifts us with things and people beyond ourselves. It's great news. Do you know that your maturity is not limited by what you have, that by what you understand, by what you can discover in and of yourself, that actually God empowers you through the love and the servant-heartedness of others to reach maturity. Jesus, in his sovereignty, is presiding over your maturity. And the significant part of that is gonna come through the grace gifts given to people around you. So coming back to this series, I mean, he mentions these four gifts. They're all very important. But I wanna be honest and say that probably as a local church, we're stronger in some areas than others. So there was a series, a, a talk given by Andrew Wilson. He's a, a phenomenal theologian in the, the UK. We had our global advance gathering near the beginning of last year, and I had the privilege to be there. And he, he preached on this passage, Ephesians. And he said he's noticed a trend in all the churches that he visits around the world. He often gets invited into churches. He says churches with a strong teacher-type gift or this preaching gift tend to be dominated by these gifts. And the reason is because as leaders, we, we recognize in others what we have in ourselves. It's easy for us to see these giftings at work, but it's also easy, easy for us to, to teach or to raise up or to equip people in the same area that we're strong and competent. And so I think for us as a church, I mean, as Constantinburg, but as common ground, we are probably a little overdeveloped in the teacher, you know, preacher, pastor area. And so we can grow strong in some areas and a little bit scrawny in the other areas. And I think God's calling us to more fullness. So the hope of this series is to correct some of those imbalances as we create space for God. So we're not gonna spend equal time on all of these gifts that are mentioned. We're not even gonna look at pastor teacher in this series. We're gonna spend one week looking at the apostolic gift. I mean, we had Rigby with us last week. If you were here, you would have experienced the work of an apostolic gift amongst us. Next Sunday, we've got Terry Virgo with us. I mean, Terry must be one of the most well-developed apostolic gifts I've ever had the privilege of being around. So you wanna be here next week. You're gonna experience uh, the impact of an apostolic grace gift. We're gonna spend one week looking at this evangelism gift, this evangelistic gift, and two weeks looking at prophecy. 
two weeks looking at prophecy. We want to fan into flame something of the prophetic grace gift in our midst. Okay, just painting a picture of where we're going in the series. But for the remainder of this message, I want to look at a church that's very much like ours, the church in Corinth. Like us, they're very far from the perfect church. But God is at work in them, maturing them, and pouring out grace on their lives just like he is with us. So here we go. I'm going to read verse 1, verse 4, and then 7 to 11. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given a spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So first, first, it's worth saying that, that these great grace gifts that I'm speaking about extend beyond those four that I mentioned out of Ephesians. That actually, there's many other kinds of grace gifts that God gives to us as he determines. And in fact, in life groups this week, you're going to realize that there are actually a whole lot more than even out of this Ephesians or this passage in Corinthians. What we're going to do is we're going to circulate this gifts questionnaire that's going to help you begin to identify something of your gifts and you're going to talk through those in life groups. You're going to discover that actually there's a whole lot of more of these grace gifts mentioned in the scriptures. This is how Sam Storms uh, would describe these grace gifts. The gifts are God himself working in and through us. They are concrete, often tangible, visible, and vocal disclosures of divine power showcased through human activity. The gift of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself coming to clear and sometimes dramatic expression in the lives of God's people as they minister to one another. It's beautiful. The emphasis on this power of God at work through human instruments. So I want to recommend two books from you. Uh, they're both by Sam Storms. Very good. Understanding Spiritual Gifts is the first one that I would recommend. If you're going to choose one, choose the one on the left. And there's also Practicing the Power. If you want to go a little deeper, if you really want to, want to read more about God's heart around these grace gifts, I'd encourage you to get hold of those. Okay, let's focus in on verse 6. Megs. Don't worry. If you take 1 Corinthians 12, 6, there are different kinds of working, but all in, in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, if you take a tr closer look at that word translated at work, in your Bible, it may, may say empowers. It's the same God who empowers these gifts. But actually, if you really zone in that world, probably the best word that we have in English is energizes. That it's the Holy Spirit that energizes all of these gifts. You think of that electricity going through a light bulb. These are God's gifts at work in us. It's God at work maturing us. So if you look at these light bulbs, I mean, they're all different shapes and sizes. One is shaped like a, a grace gift of mercy. You've got a grace gift of a word of knowledge. I can't, I'm blinded. <laughs> you've got a grace gift of healing. You know, you've got a grace gift of tongues. You've got the grace gift of evangelism. But what you notice about all these different gifts is one, they need to be energized, to be useful. They need to be energized. They need to be lit up. 
And the other thing you notice is that it's the same electricity flowing through all of these light bulbs that energizes them to life. And so we're gonna leave these light bulbs here. Maybe we'll try to get a dimmer switch so it's not so blinding. But they're here to remind us that there are different gifts that God gives to his local church, but they're all energized by his spirit and they're all for the common good. Yeah, ESCOM doesn't count. <laughs> we'll have to get a generator just for these to be theologically strong. Okay, we, we've seen that God's at work. You know, that these grace, grace gifts, it's God's work. He distributes them as he wants. He gives them for the equipping and the upbuilding. I wanna talk about, do we have a role to play in this? What is our role as Christ followers, you know, if, if God's doing all of this stuff? Well, throughout this series, I wanna, we're gonna continue to encourage you towards the four Ds, which is brilliant alliteration for any preacher. Discover, desire, develop, and deploy the gifts God has given you. So we're gonna encourage you to do throughout these five weeks. Firstly, discover. In verse seven, remember, it speaks to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good, different gifts, but the same spirit distributing them. Let me ask you, how do you go about discovering your own spiritual gifts? It's actually a, a, often a very difficult thing to explain. Well, I wanna give you two ways. The one way is a little bit lame. The second way is way better. So I know what you're thinking, skip the lame way and just get into the good stuff. But actually the lame way is very, very helpful for many of us. We're gonna find it very, very helpful. So I'm gonna tell you the first way, and I've mentioned it again. In the broadcast group, if you get the broadcast, broadcast um, WhatsApps from us, you're gonna get this um, questionnaire. It takes about maximum 45 minutes. I think it's about 150 questions that you sit and you work through. And at the end, it generates a list of possible spiritual gifts that you may have been graced with. Now, I say it's a little bit lame because actually the questionnaire is all about you. It's classic Western spirituality, right? We go into our room, close the door, think about our own feelings and our own passions and what we're excited about. And then we come up with a list of spiritual gifts that are meant to be for everyone else that kind of bypasses the whole communal upbuilding impact side of, but it is, as I said, very, very helpful for you to just find a place to start. And you, know, you can take that list that's generated and you can ask your friends, you know, do you think this is true of me? Have you noticed that I'm helpful in these ways? And that's exactly what you're gonna do in life group this week. So that's the first way. The better and the second way is to look around in your community to see the needs of the people around you and in love to meet those needs. And as you meet the needs of the people around you, whatever those needs can be, I think you're gonna discover your spiritual gifts. Remember, these grace gifts are not like a Christmas present. They're not like a Christmas present that you get and you unwrap and you're gonna play with it for you know, however old your kids are, a day or a week or even years. Actually, what you're doing when you discover your spiritual gifts is you're unwrapping something that's been given to us through your care. It's not for you. It's actually for us. And so we're asking and we're excited about discovering our spiritual gifts because of the impact it's gonna have on my life and the impact of the people around you. And so when you think about this impact around other people, it makes sense that the best way to discover your spiritual gifts is to love people, is to serve people, is to move towards the needs of the people around you because meeting those needs is exactly what this grace gift is given for. 
You know, something else to be wary of as Christ followers. I remember some, sometimes people share something and they say, was that a prophecy or was that a word of knowledge or was that a, and I'm like, I don't actually know exactly what it was. You know, we can get so over enamored with naming exactly what gift is this and how does it work. And, and actually, sometimes I just want to say, just love people and serve people and whatever it's called, hey, it's helping and it's bringing us to maturity and it's equipping us. So just live into the fullness of that gift, however you want to name it. Here's Sam Storms again. He says this, my recommendation is that Christians should stop this persistent, introspective, navel-gazing and simply step out and begin to love and serve others in concrete acts of ministry. In doing so, I'm confident your gifts will find you. This is how we're gonna discover our gifts. If it's seeking God for an encouragement for someone that you noticed is down, or someone that you know is going through a hard time, you're looking around, you're seeing the needs of the people and you're going to God and you're saying, God, can you use me to meet this need? Is there an encouragement? Is there a verse? Is there a word that I can give to this person that's gonna really help them? Maybe they've got a lot of decisions. Maybe it's looking for opportunities to practically serve someone. You hear the need of that someone needs something practical. Why don't you go about to meet that need and ask God to use you? What if it's helping to bring order and organization where there's a little bit of chaos and mess? You see these guys are drowning in unhelpful admin, wherever it can be, and just getting in there and helping to organize. Maybe it's inviting people into your home for meals and creating that space where people can really flourish and, and feel like they belong. However it is that you, these needs that you see around you, trust God and prayerfully begin to meet those needs and love others and these gifts are gonna find us. If God gave us these gifts, I think it's good for us to trust God to reveal them to us and to develop them. So that's the first one, discover. The next D that we're gonna encourage you to constantly is desire. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. God wants us to desire these grace gifts, these spiritual gifts. Are you hungry for more of God's power at work in your life for the benefit of the people around you? Do you want to be used by God to help equip and mature the body of believers around you? I hope so. I hope so. I'm not talking about selfish ambition. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about giving you a greater platform so people revere you or think more highly of you. I'm talking about a humble hunger for the growth and the upliftment of the people around you. I'm talking about real love expressed in servants' heartedness. We, we want these words to mark us, humble and hungry. We're humble and hungry. So, so the Bible says, desire these spiritual gifts, especially the ones that are, that are more powerful and effective to build others up. You know, when you see great need in a community and you ask God to use you to meet that need, it's not selfish. You know, it's not just human ambition. Actually, we're encouraged to do it. How's this for explicit? 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. There's something about prophecy that's very effective in uplifting and equipping and maturing. And that's why we're gonna spend two weeks on the gift of prophecy in this series. We wanna fan into flame this grace gift that God has given us. So earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Does that describe your life? Do you from time to time find yourself earnestly desiring these spiritual gifts to be used by God for the benefit of the people around you? And it's a marked difference from, oh, do I have to go to that meeting? Oh, life group again. 
versus saying, God, I want to go. I want to get in that space. I want to be around people. I want to trust you to use me, God, to, to uplift, to mature, to encourage the people around me. What an amazing privilege to be part of community. Okay, then second to last is develop. We're going to encourage you to develop your gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it says, so it is with you. Since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, so we got that, we're desiring spiritual gifts. We want to be used by God for the upliftment of others. It says, try to excel in those that build up the church. By the way, let me say this to you as well. You may have been following Jesus for quite some time. What we need to be reminded of here that you're not locked into the spiritual gifts that, that kind of people all around you think, oh, that's your vibe. You know, that's your spiritual gift, that's your grace gift, that's your contribution to the church. Actually, we don't need to be defined by past victories, that actually there's fresh grace, there's fresh desire, that God wants to give us more gifts for the benefit of people around us. And so we can freshly pursue God. Even if you've been a Christian for 50 years, you can pursue God for fresh grace for the people around you. And as we talk about developing, 2 Timothy 1, we know Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I want to remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. As much as it's God's power at work through us, we can grow and develop competence in how we use our gifts, in how confident we are in our gifts and how much muscle our gifts have. So we want to develop our spiritual gifts. We want to grow into effectiveness. So here's another thing to remember, that your ability for God to use you over your lifetime is not capped by where you are right now. That where you are right now does not determine your effectiveness in being used by God for the benefit and upliftment of the church for the sake of the world. So as a church, I want to say to us, let's grow. Let's pursue growth. Let's ask others. Let's try. Let's watch people. Let's get it wrong with good intentions. We want to have good intentions and hey, we're going to make mistakes. That's fine. But try again. And this is where life groups come into their own. You know, on a Sunday meeting like this, it, it can be quite difficult to, to learn how to express spiritual gifts. But your, your life group at home, when you're with friends and you're in a smaller setting, that's the place where you want to trust God. You want to step out. You want to say, God, I want to meet the needs of the people around me. So let's take those risks. And lastly, deploy. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. I want to say to us as a church, just get started. Just do it. Just try. Just step out. Just trust God to use you through these grace gifts that he has given you. You are not the only Christ follower that hasn't been given a spiritual gift. We all have been given a grace by God for the benefit of these grace gifts. They're not given to you by God so that can sit on the shelf of potential, gather dust and be taken with us to the grave one day and say, oh, that was cool. I had this little thing. No, no, they're given to be used. They're given to be taken off the shelf. They're given to be, to be played with and managed and developed and strengthened for the benefit of all of us. So the four Ds, we want to discover our spiritual gifts, our grace gifts. We want to desire them. We want to develop them and deploy them for the glory of God, for the benefit of the people around us, and for our common good. So take a risk. Be courageous. Love and serve brothers and sisters around you. Imagine what God could do in us as a local church if we give ourselves to his design for our maturing. 
this mutual discipling and serving and loving and trusting God for more than what we've got to bring in and of ourselves. To actually tap into something of the supernatural realm where God gives us something outside of ourselves. We're gonna experience a, a satisfaction in being used by God and an even greater joy when we see others around us benefiting from that. So let me pray for us as we wrap up. God, as we, as we just reflect on these light bulbs shining brightly here, God, we, we want to remind ourselves that this is something that we give ourselves to, but actually, God, you are the one who energizes. That you are the one who energizes our lives with these grace gifts. And we, God, as, as Christ followers here at Seaburg, we want to open our hearts and open our hands and say, God, would you help us to discover, to develop, to deploy, to desire our gifts, these grace gifts. God, I pray that in time, as we gather together, that we would experience the tangible, divine, spiritual nature of these gifts maturing us and equipping us, and that God, more and more, that we would reflect your image and your likeness that you would unleash, God, amongst us a love and a servant-heartedness that drives this desire for spiritual gifts, God, that we would be humble and hungry. God, put in us a heart to see those around us flourishing. And so, God, we open ourselves up to you. And we say, have your way in us, in life groups, on these Sunday gatherings, as we go deeper into, this, into these gifts that grow us. God, may we never come out on the other side the same. Amen.